Next, ReachMD presents the Oncology Power Hour, your dedicated source for focused oncology content. We've all heard about unreachable targets in cancer and other diseases without medical cures. Is there a new kind of smart drug that can reach them? You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and my guest is Lauren D. Walensky, MD, PhD, Assistant Professor of Pediatric Oncology at Harvard Medical School and Medical Director of the Program of Cancer Chemical Biology at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. Dr. Walensky has pioneered the application of a new chemical technology to develop what he calls stapled peptides to study and treat diseases caused by an imbalance in the natural cell death pathway. He joins us to talk about the biology of cell death and how a new chemical technology is yielding a host of new tools to study and treat diseases like cancer that are characterized by an imbalance of cellular life and death. Dr. Walensky, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks very much, Bruce. So tell us, what is peptide stapling? Well, much in the way that you kind of think about a stapler, that you know you put a staple in to organize and reinforce the order of your paperwork, we've designed a chemical staple whose purpose is really to endow rigidity and restrict the movement of a peptide. A peptide is a short segment of a protein that usually has an important shape to perform its function. And if you want to take advantage of that function, turn it into a drug or turn it into a research tool, you take it out of context from the whole protein and it loses that important shape. And so this kind of stapling concept is designed to put back that shape into the peptide. And if we gave the whole protein where this little peptide is, would that work as a drug? Well, you know, it's very difficult to, first of all, manufacture large proteins on large scale, but more importantly, it's very hard to deliver proteins as therapeutics. They're very large. They get degraded in the bloodstream. And so what is most often done is you go after that very small portion of a protein that is known to have a critically important biological function. But the problem is, is that the whole protein is there to endow structure to its various parts so that when you go after to excise the important part, many times it loses the natural structure that it has in the context of the whole protein. What we're trying to do is fix that problem by giving it back some rigidity, just like you give a stack of papers a staple and now they're ordered. We want to put in a chemical staple to give that peptide fragment back its shape. And in our case, we're looking at the very important coiled shapes that peptide motifs have. So how did you come up with this technology in the first place? Well, I should say that the idea of cross-linking or putting in uh, reinforcements into peptides is not a new idea. It's been around for at least 10 years, and different types of reinforcements have been tried. What's different about this strategy is, is that the staple itself is fairly indestructible. Unlike prior technologies where the actual chemistry of the staple was almost as labile or easily broken down as the peptide you were trying to reinforce. So in this case, the staple is very rigid. It has kind of a greasy character to it, and it's fairly strong. And that's really the new component to this. And the three things that derive from this new kind of staple is that, once again, it's not easily degraded so that you maintain the property of the staple that you're putting in. The other aspect is is that when you form a coil, it really protects the peptide from being degraded by enzymes that like to degrade peptides. And so it has this second feature of maintaining the stability of the peptide inside the body. And then the third feature, which we really were surprised at and were happy to see, is that the helical structure itself enabled these peptides to actually penetrate intact cells, which is one of those 
problems with peptides in general that unfolded peptides can't get into cells. So you're unable to take advantage of the natural power of these biological compounds. And what's this staple made out of? So this staple is really made out of a string of what we call methylene groups or CH2 groups. There aren't any functionalities in it like oxygen atoms or sulfur atoms, and that's why they're particularly stable. The bonds are really carbon-carbon bonds, and these bonds are very strong and not easily broken. So this carbon-carbon bond or all-hydrocarbon staple technology was first developed by Dr. Gregory Verdine, who's a chemistry professor at Harvard University. And we felt that this technology applied to the right biological system could really address some of the major deficiencies of biologically active peptides. And how does the staple itself stay out of the way? How do you design it so that it's not in the middle of this helical shape and getting in the way of the peptide functioning? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, basically, the whole field of structural biology defines at a very high-resolution basis how different parts of proteins touch each other whether it be a protein-protein interaction or a protein-DNA interaction or a protein-lipid interaction. And this information is critically important to the design of the stapled peptides because what you really want to know is what part of that helix, of that coiled peptide, is critically important for touching the target you're going after. And so what we're able to do using structural information is to place these staples in a position where they are not interfering with the natural critical contact surfaces of the targets that we're going after. And it just so happens that we're going after some of the most important targets in medicine. And and when you're studying an important target, usually there's a lot of groundwork and a lot of basic science that's already been done on it. So for the most part, the staple peptides that we're trying to make to hit important targets for, for cancer medicine, for example, a a lot of the structural biology is very well established. So what's the difference then in this approach to targeted therapies from other aspects of targeted therapy research? Well, I would say the purpose of the pharmaceutical industry and research scientists in general is to design and generate drugs that really mimic the natural biological activity to hit their targets. So, for example, if you're trying to discover a new small molecule that has properties that mimic biologically active peptides, that process takes a lot of time and in many cases requires a molecule to be designed and built from the ground up. What's interesting about targeted therapies based upon staple peptides is that you actually use what nature has already developed for you. We know which peptides are important for targeting the proteins that are causing disease. Nature has evolved to give us these optimized peptides. All we're doing is tinkering with them ever so slightly to give them back shape. So I think in terms of the field of targeted therapies, we can get at these compounds very quickly because we're really just using what's already out there, what nature has provided to us. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I am speaking with Dr. Lauren Walensky, Medical Director of the Program of Cancer Chemical Biology at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute about a new technology for developing research tools and targeted therapies. So where do you see the most immediate applications for peptide stapling in terms of developing a new drug? Well, this technology really is working to reinforce virtually any biologically active peptide that we're interested in. And it just so happens that around 50% of the protein-protein interactions that are important in disease and that are important to target are comprised of these alpha helices. One of the nice aspects of this technology is is that 
peptide surfaces are very complicated. The, where proteins touch one another, they're pretty large surfaces. They're very intricate. And many times the small molecules are simply just too small to decorate that surface and to try to rip apart two proteins that are contacting each other in, in such a large way. And so one of the nice aspects of the staple peptides is that they too are larger than small molecules and can compete more effectively at targeting the protein surfaces. And so this area is really filling in a big gap in the modalities that are now available to us in terms of developing drugs. On the one hand, you know, you have small molecules that are there to target very specific greasy pockets and nooks and crannies of these protein surfaces. And then on the other hand, you have antibodies, which are very large proteins that are for the most part hitting things on the outside of the cell. And in between small molecules and very large antibody-based therapies, there's a big gap. And what we're hoping is that this, along with many other different new technologies, might be able to fill this gap with a different type of a compound that is able to get inside the cell, but perhaps target larger, more complicated surfaces that small molecules can't quite access. So we've talked a little bit about how we think it might be helpful in treatment of diseases, but... Can it be used also as a research tool, stapled peptides? Well, I'll tell you, you know, once we've established the proof of principle that these compounds could actually get into cells and specifically target the proteins of interest and actually kill, for example, leukemia cells in an animal, we next turn to applying the compounds to really try to use them to address unresolved basic science questions. So, for example, in the field that I work in, cell death, there are many proteins whose mechanisms of regulation and activation are not known. And these are important questions for us to address because if a cancer cell, for example, has a quiescent death protein, so a death protein there that could kill the cell but is otherwise sequestered and, and neutralized, if you could somehow wake up chemically that death protein, you could potentially restore death to a cancer cell. So what we're doing is applying these staple death helices, what we call them, to cells and to try to identify and trap the intracellular targets and ask, you know, who is it binding to inside the cell? What are the implications of this binding? Can this binding interaction, you know, reactivate a death protein? So these types of experiments using these as now biological research tools are really revealing new actors for us in the pathways. So I should say that we have just as many projects now using these compounds as discovery tools as we do evaluating them for their therapeutic potential. When we talk about therapeutics, what diseases are impacted by defects in cell death pathways that you are describing? Well, I should say any disease in which you have too many cells or too little cells are relevant to the cell death pathway that we study. So for example, there's many diseases that arise from cells dying prematurely, and that includes neurodegenerative phenomenon like Alzheimer's disease, Huntington's disease, destructive immune diseases like diabetes, or loss of neurons in a, in a stroke or loss of heart cells in a heart attack. These are examples of diseases where there's really premature dying of cells. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got diseases where there's too much of a particular cell. The cells aren't dying as they should, and that's you know, autoimmune diseases like lupus and cancer, of course. And so cell death regulation is really a fundamental process to almost every disease. If we could generate stapled peptides designed to address 
the deregulation of this pathway and the various diseases and manipulate whether the cell should live or die in a particular context, we feel that those are the most critical areas to apply this technology first. And in your research, what diseases are you specifically going after right now? Well, we study in particular those types of cancers that are refractory to treatment because we think that's the biggest problem in cancer. You know, it's often said in the field that patients don't die of the cancer that they were diagnosed with. Many patients respond very quickly and very effectively to first-line treatment, and it's only when the cancer comes back that it kills our patient or that it doesn't respond to treatment. So we're very interested in studying those chemorefractory or radiation-resistant cancers to try to figure out what keeps those cells so immortal. And if we could understand that using these research tools, then perhaps we can use the same compounds to reactivate death. So we, for example, study relapsed leukemia in children, infantile acute leukemia, which is quite deadly, or relapse and refractory lymphomas. Those are the areas that we've been addressing initially with this technology. I want to thank our guest, Lauren D. Walensky, Assistant Professor of Pediatric Oncology at Harvard Medical School and Medical Director of the Program of Cancer Chemical Biology at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston for talking to us about his new strategy for transforming natural peptides into new tools to study biology and potentially treat human disease. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can find our new on-demand and podcast features that will allow you access to our entire program library. And thank you for listening. This has been a presentation of the Oncology Power Hour on ReachMD. Tune in for more dedicated oncology programming right after this short break.